if you uh, would open your Bibles to First Peter chapter 4, and uh, we're going we're gonna to read verses 7 through 11 today. It says in verse 7, to the end, or the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. So first thing, you know, before we do get started, I feel like this is one of those Sundays where everybody's tired. It's one of the spring break Sundays. And if you have kids at home like me, I know you're just tired. And uh, I just want you to really focus on the word of God today because don't, don't, don't let this go by and you not focus on the word of God. This is the culmination of your week. This is why we come together to be encouraged, restored, and, and, then, and then we leave from here and we're ready, we're ready to do uh, the Lord's work. So let's take this time to really focus on the Lord because uh, uh, the message he has prepared uh, in my head and, and, and I'm, I'm his vessel. He's going to use me to uh, proclaim his word. Let's focus on that this morning. So we talk about the end of all things and uh, Peter says the end of all things is at hand. So he tells us to pray, to love, to uh, be hospitable to one another, and also to serve one another. When we look at those four things, they all pertain to the fellowship of believers for the specific purpose of building up the body of Christ. In other words, these four things are used to ensure that the, the church of Christ is healthy, it's well, and these are not to be random acts, or excuse me, random acts of kindness, but they are intimately interconnected to one another. They're, they're just not things that we're supposed to just do in isolation, you know, to just be friendly, be, uh, be loving, uh, be hospitable. It's not just, these things don't just go by themselves. They're interconnected to uh, one another and we can see that in the way they're ordered. The product of prayer is love. You want to you wanna love somebody, you pray for that person. Not only do you pray for that person, but you pray for God to give you love to express toward that person. Because as we said, love is, love is not only an emotion. It is also the act. It is the act. So to be loving towards somebody is not just to have feelings for that person, but to act in, in, in mercy towards that person. And sometimes that's, that's the hard part. When we say, I love you, we must show it. And we are told to even love our enemies. So in order to love our enemies, that's not within ourselves to do that. So we need God's help and we need to get on our knees and pray for God to help us to love our neighbor. So the product of prayer is love for your neighbor. And when we talk about love, well, that expresses itself in hospitality. And when we talk about hospitality, well, hospitality is accomplished through serving one another. 
So we can see how these four things are interconnected and why, P, why Peter mentions them together. Now today as we complete this list of what I would call like spiritual responsibilities found in verses 7 through 11, I, I want to talk to you about Christian service today. Now, service, and when we look at the, the Greek word, it's to perform duties or, win, or render service. And what's interesting is that the same word is translated bringing, delivering, helping, ministering, providing, administrating, and also deacon. That's where we get that name from, deacon. All these words that I just mentioned, they're mentioned in other places of the Bible, and they mean the same thing. So when we think about service, we can think about these other words, and we can gather a definition of our mind. If it's, if it's bringing, then it means bringing something to somebody, delivering something to somebody, helping something with something, uh, someone with something, ministering to them, providing something for someone administering, and also the word deacon in itself is the ministry of help. So service is something that, that is an act of mercy that is performed by one Christian for the benefit of another Christian, or even beyond that, service can also uh, be performed for any person for the glory of God. So it doesn't just have to be for from one Christian to another, uh, you can serve God by providing, by helping, by bringing, by delivering, by ministering to those who are lost. If it's all done for the glory of God in a matter of worship. So Christian service is an act of mercy that is performed by one Christian for the benefit of another Christian or person for the glory of God. Service is something that all Christians are called to. And the reason why we are all called to it is because it benefits the church and it promotes the glory of God. As the verse indicates that we are to uh, serve one another in order that in everything, if you look down at verse 11, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever, it says. So that's, that's the whole reason why we serve, so that our Christian brother or sister can benefit from it, for those who are lost can, can benefit and, and praise God in heaven. That's the culmination of our service, and that is why we, we, we serve one another and we do it in, as an act of worship. So service, again, is, not something that, that are, is something that all Christians are called to because it benefits the church. As a Christian, you can't help but serve. And the reason why is because it's an act of the Holy Spirit that is occurring in you. So when we talk about serving, serving is not something you do to ensure your salvation. Because many, many look at it that way. They say, well, I need to do this in order that I be saved. But we know the gospel says that serving is not something you do to ensure your salvation but as a result of your salvation. That's what I'm going to be preaching about today. The importance of service in our life and, and, and how it's not something we do to be saved, but rather it's something that we do because we are saved. It's a product of God's Holy Spirit working in us. And I really, I really appreciate verses like this. Um, 
when you look at the verse itself, it, it breaks itself down. It gives itself uh, an outline. It's very easy for me to follow this morning. So basically, I want to take this verse, and when I say this verse, it's uh, verse 11, and uh, verse 10, actually. Uh, and, and I want to I want to give I want to pull three things out of this verse that that just naturally come out at us as we read it. Uh, when we talk about service, the very beginning of verse 10 says uh, that we each have received it as a gift. It says that we each have have received it as a gift for Peter. It's not debatable. It, it's not a matter of debate. Each Christian has received a gift from God. But what is this gift that Peter is speaking about? There are plenty of blessings that come from God. In fact, we know that all blessings come from our Heavenly Father. But here Peter is speaking about something specifically, and he breaks it down into two major categories in verse 11. First, he says there are gifts of speaking. And these gifts of speaking are related to preaching and teaching his word. And then there are these gifts of service. They are serving gifts as related to acts of mercy. There there are two general categories that Peter gives us when he talks about spiritual gifts. Now, again, these aren't two just separate gifts. These are two big, broad general categories. In fact, we, we see a lot of different lists in the Bible when it comes to spiritual gifts. None of these lists, none of these lists are all inclusive. They're just examples of different things that God grants to his people in order to serve uh, the, the body of Christ and also the world. But within these two broad general categories, we can see how God moves in us for his glory. Now, the word gift is translated charisma. And in the Greek, it means which is freely and graciously given. It is favor bestowed. I, I, I love that definition. Um, it's much like grace, right? Because grace is something we didn't deserve, but yet we received. And, and when you talk about this gift, this spiritual gift, it is freely given to us by God. And it is graciously given. It's not just like given to you just a little bit, but God, he he just he just gives it to you abundantly in order that you serve one another and glorify him. Because many times we think that we're inadequate about different things. We think that our own uh, our own talents and, and, and skills that we have from God, that that we're inadequate because mainly because we're involved. But the thing is, is that God will give us what we need when we need it. And, it. and it's okay for us to feel inadequate because we're not saying that we feel inadequate about God, but rather we're pointing to ourselves. And I think that's healthy to say, okay, I know I'm not worthy. I know I'm not good enough. But where we have to stop that is with ourselves. And then we have to remember, but God is. And he always is. And, and how he uses me and how he chooses to use me and how, how he goes about that, it is for his glory, even if it's to my shame at times. That is something that, that we always have to remember. So when we see this word, which, this word uh, uh, gift, something that is freely and graciously given to us, a uh, favor bestowed, we must understand 
uh, that the gifts that Peter speak here are special. And the ones that he speaks here of now, they're, they're non-material gift and gifts and they're bestowed through God's generosity on individual Christians. And these gifts are talents and skills given to us in order to carry out special tasks. It's, it's awesome how God does it. And it's awesome that, we, that we're involved in it. In the Bible, we're, we're, we're described as jars of clay, fragile. You imagine a jar of clay and you just carry it around. You just don't want to drop it because if you drop it, you know what's going to happen to it. You can't press it on the sides because if you press it on the sides, it's just going to crack or break. You can't really put anything on top of it. You have to be careful what you put in it. It's just completely fragile and ready to fall apart. And yet God gives us these wonderful and special gifts so that we can use it for his honor and glory. And we, we are these fragile vessels, but, but a, a part of our testimony is the way the Lord cares after us, watches over our lives. You can see that we're inadequate. You can see that we're not up for the task by ourselves. But you can see his power working in us. And that is the beautiful thing about it. And that's what gives him glory. Beside the fact that we're helping one another. It's important that we recognize where these gifts come from so that we can know how to use them. Okay, so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read you verses 4 through 7. This verse here is wonderful in describing where these gifts come from. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. When I read that, I try to relate it to just something that we might see, maybe a movie we watch, um, maybe just something that, that, that we imagine. But it's like we are on special assignment. God has placed us on this earth. He has saved us. He has equipped us for, for his work, and, and we're, we're, we're placed here on special assignment. And that special assignment is to bring him glory through the service we provide to others. I mean, how cool is that? That we are given that responsibility, that we are given that gift, that we get to work for the Lord. Many times we walk through this earth and we feel like there's nothing special about us. And in ourselves, I would agree with you. But in Christ, I would disagree with you. Because in Christ, we are special because of Christ. And Christ has gifted us. He has equipped us for a special work that those who come in contact with his word through our either through our service or through our speaking, may proclaim the goodness of God. So you and I, we have a special calling and we are given special gifts for this calling. I was just talking to a dear brother this morning about 
the Great Commission and how difficult it is whenever we relate it to everything that happens to, our, to ourselves, everything that happens in our personal life. I, I, I mean it when I say that the Great Commission is something that is impossible for us to do alone. It is difficult. We are called to minister to people who don't want to be ministered to sometimes. We are called to preach a word to people who don't understand until the Spirit gives them wisdom to do so. Many times we, our work is just planting seeds. It's not really, we're not seeing the fruit grow. Some plant, some water, but the Lord gives the growth. And if we are blessed, we'll see that growth. But many times we walk away and we don't see that. But we know, we know the Heavenly Father is working. And we know that He is doing His work in the lives of those that we speak to or that we provide service to. So the Great Commission is difficult work. And we are on special assignment. But we must understand that we're well equipped. As we look back at that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, we see where spiritual gifts come from. They come from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Notice that 1 Corinthians 12 says that the gifts are given, that we are given, are administered to us by the triune God. It says, Varieties of gift, same spirit. It says varieties of service, same Lord. And it says varieties of activity, but the same God. I, I love that verse and how we see that these gifts, that, the God, that God the Father is the source of all the gifts, the spiritual gifts that he gives to us. And, and, and God is the source, but they are bestowed on us or to us through Christ. Without Christ, we would not have the gifts that we have. But they have been graciously given to us through Christ. And they are carried out in us by the workings of his spirit. We see God working in our lives and also in the lives of others. There's a question in the Bible and I think we need to answer that today this question is found in 1 Corinthians 4 7 and it says what do you what do you have that you did not receive speaking of service to the Lord and the gifts that you have what do you have that you did not receive you see the Bible teaches that all things whether visible or invisible were created by him we're created through him and we're created for him. And the Bible says that in him all things hold together. In the context of spiritual gifts, we need to understand that the source is the Lord. He created them. He is the power behind them. And it is intended that he gets the glory for their use. Now, these spiritual gifts that God has graciously given to us, the neat thing about them is that they are fashioned in a way that are the most useful to us for the task that God has given us, for the task 
that we have at hand. And like our salvation, these spiritual gifts we have have been divinely bestowed to us from the Lord. He gives them to us from his abundant grace and he calls us to use them for his honor and for his glory. And Peter says we are to do this by serving one another. I think if we really sit down and think about the implications of not serving one another, we'll understand how great our sin is. Because God is granting us, he's bestowing upon us these wonderful and precious gifts. They are from God. They are through Christ. They are, they are worked in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we just sit there and don't do anything, we must understand that it is a waste of precious time and a precious gift. We are to use these gifts to serve one another. It's important that we realize that these gifts that we have from God, they're not primarily for our benefit. I think that's one of the most interesting things about this passage. Because think about it. Normally, when you get a gift, it's for you. It's for your benefit. It's for your use. Imagine it being your birthday, and you get a new car. Brand new car. And your husband says, I got this for you so that I can use it all the time. I got this for you so that you can drive me around everywhere I want to go. You can't, I don't want you using it unless I'm with you. And it's only for you to drive me around and cater to me and help me in whatever I need. You'd be like, wait, what a second, what? You see, usually gifts are to benefit us, but God says no. Gifts I give you are to benefit me. The gifts I give you are for the good and sake of others. And by the way, the wonderful thing about God and how gracious he is, the gifts that he gives us, well, they bless us too. That's how abundant they are. They bless our lives. They bless others and they glorify him. There's no one that gives gifts like God. But we must remember that these gifts are not to be just consumed by us, but there is a purpose behind them that we need to use them to serve one another. So the gifts we receive from the Lord are extremely and personally tailored for our use because that's the way God designed them. They fit our personalities and they minister to the church in a very unique way way I mean even in our church here we know the two categories we know that there's those who are gifted in speaking and then there are those who are gifted in service those who have spiritual gifts related to speaking have the same gift but it's performed in different ways and it's also given to us in different measures and the same stands true for those who have gifts 
related to service. You see, God has made it to where only you can serve the way you do. And I think that's really awesome that God has made it that way, where only you can serve the way you do, so it's important that you do. That you get to work, that you, that you serve him, because you're the, only way who can, you're the only one who can do it that way. But see, we don't think about that. We just think about the fact that, well, somebody else is doing it. Yeah, somebody else is doing it, but they're not doing it the way you can do it. I think about that in those who preach here in this church. And I thank the Lord that, first of all, that Pastor Theo gave me the opportunity to do it so long ago. And now I thank the Lord that, that, that he has given Pastor Laramie the opportunity to do it, Brother Eric the opportunity to do it, and, and also others who are uh, training for the preaching of his word to do it. It's all the same gift, but it's given in different measure. It's done in different ways. But God uses it all to glorify himself and build up the body of Christ. The same is true for Everything else. You see, Jesus, he's the one who set the example of service for us. And it's his example that we must follow. I think one of the the most difficult passages in the Bible to to really under not understand, but to just to really wrap your mind around is found in Mark 10, 45. For it says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. I think that's a profound statement. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. As we really think about what Jesus is saying here, We must understand that the only one who is worthy enough to be served, let's just start there. None of us are even worthy enough to be served by anybody. But because of Christ, we are bestowed this wonderful blessing of serving and being served. But he, he is the only one worthy enough to be served as Lord by his creation. We must understand it that way, that he is the one who, all, whom all things was made through and for. And instead of coming and being served by his creation, because he was completely, he, he was he, he, deserving of being served by his creation, he chose not to serve, not to serve, or excuse me, he chose not to be served, but to serve. And his service to us was so that he would save those who are his. As I look at that statement from Jesus, and I I imagine uh, the universal church throughout the whole world, we know that many in churches today don't want to serve, but rather they want to be served. But we must understand that unless our worthiness surpasses the worthiness of Christ, we 
better get to work. Because he's the one who sets the example for us, right? He's, again, he is the one, the only one who is worthy to be served. And he says, I'm not, not going to do that. Rather, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give my life as a ransom for many. And if we are called to follow his example, we are, we are to be Christ-like. If we are Christians, we are to look at ourselves and say, you know what? I am not expecting to be served. Rather, I am going to serve. And I am going to do good for my brother or sister in Christ for the sake of God's glory. We must understand that our Lord commands us to serve one another. In Romans chapter 12, the Bible says, For as in one body we have many members, the members do not have the same functions. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. I love this part. Let us use them. Let us use them. Romans 12, 4 through 6. I think that last part is, is, is so important. It, it speaks to me. Because you can go through and you can talk about where the gifts come from. You can talk about how they're bestowed upon us and, and how, you know, how we get them and, and how much we have and how blessed we are. But the very ending it says, let us use them. I think that part of the passage is extremely important. Spiritual gifts are not primarily intended for our personal gain. As I said before, we, although we do benefit from them, they are meant to care for the church as each member ministers to another. And here's something this morning. I, I want people in our church to recognize this and even those who may listen to this later on who are part of a different church there's a big misunderstanding that that the church is to be served by one person or a couple of people you see there's a big misunderstanding that the church should rely on the spiritual gifts of the pastors for the ministering That, my friend, is not biblical, and it's not accurate. The church should not rely solely on the spiritual gifts of the pastors to minister to the church, but and we must understand that pastors are only part of the body. We're not the church's savior. We're not the church's only worker. We're not here just to cater to everybody. In fact, we cannot do it. We cannot adequately tend to the whole body with this expectation. Even within our fellowship, there are certain things that I consciously pull back from so that the church can get involved. And sometimes I'll get questions about it. I'll get concerns about it. And all that is fine. But my... but but my statement still stands that I pull back purposely so I will not hinder the church from ministering one to another. One prime example of that is, 
during our service here. Every now and then you'll see me come up here and during our prayer song, I'll come up here, stand, and I'll pray with people. But I consciously pull back from that so that members of our church will come up here and stand and no one's relying on the pastor to be up there because that's, that prayer is going to be special. We do not need to rely on one man or two men or three men or four men or five men, but rather we need the whole body functioning as a body, ministering to one another, caring for one another. We need to understand that the pastor or pastors are not the only ones who minister. And that even means if you pay him full time. It doesn't, that doesn't change that fact. I think that's a very important lesson for us to remember. The Bible says every member caring one for the other. Every member of the church has been given these gifts that differ according to his grace. In order that we use them to minister to one another. And then verse 10 says, as good stewards of God's varied grace. As good stewards of God's varied grace. So let's, let's read it together as a whole so we can understand, so we can just see the, the whole verse and then we'll finish off talking about what it means to be a steward. Verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. No, to be a steward is someone who has been entrusted with overseeing or managing something for someone else. In relation to this passage, it means that someone who has been entrusted with uh, management and connection with something that is transcendent, something that is divine, it is the spiritual gift that we are talking about, things that are from the Lord. You see, one may be a steward of a home or a property. One may be a student of a business. But what Peter is speaking about here, he says that we are stewards of these spiritual gifts. And the funny thing about the steward is that the steward is not the owner. Rather, he acts in place of the owner. And he is held accountable by the owner. To act as the owner would act with what he has been given. I'll read that again just so that you can get it because I know there's a lot of owner in that. The steward is not the owner. Rather, he acts in place of the owner and is held accountable by the owner to act as the owner would act with what he has been given. There is a parable in the Bible and it's found in Matthew chapter 25. You don't, you don't have to turn there. Um, I'll give you the passage so that you can refer to it later, but it's Matthew 25, and, and the, past, the, the parable starts at verse 14 and goes all the way to verse 30. But there's a parable in the Bible, and it's uh, the parable of the talents, where Jesus talks about a property owner who went on a journey. And he entrusted his property to his servants, and he had three servants. And to the first 
he gave five talents. And when you talk about talent in the Bible, it was a large sum of money. We know that a denarii was a day's wage, while a talent was a whole much more, a, whole, a lot more than that. The servant, the first servant, he gave the five talents to made wise decisions, the Bible says. And he doubled his master's possessions. And to him, when the master returned, replied to him, well done, good and faithful servant. And then there was a second servant that the master gave two talents to. And the servant made wise decisions and he doubled his master's earnings. And when the master returned, when the master returned he replied to that servant, well done, good and faithful servant. Then there was the third servant. And to this servant he gave one talent. Unlike the other two, this servant made unwise decisions. And we find out that he did not increase the owner's property. In fact, he didn't even use it at all, but he buried it, thinking that the owner would be happy just to receive the one talent back. And this is what the master replied to him when he came back. He said, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I would reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. It's Jesus telling that story, and there's a, there's a point to it, obviously. See, we as God's people, we have been gifted with much. In fact, the Bible says that he has bestowed these gifts upon us for the sake of us using them to serve one another and to bring him honor and glory. So, in essence, we are a steward of the spiritual gifts that we have. So, I want to make this personal. The Lord has left you as a steward of his spiritual gift or gifts. Yeah, you get to enjoy them. They're a blessing to you. They, they make your life wonderful. But you're not the owner. I'm not the owner. We're only stewards of these gifts. And you have been personally, and you have been personally been, or you have personally been entrusted with these gifts from the Lord. And he expects you to use them to bring him glory. As we think about that, I want us to think about how we've been using those spiritual gifts that he has given us. When he returns, will he say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will he say, you wicked and slothful servant? See, I can't answer that question for you. That's something that you have to answer yourself. I pray, I pray that he will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But I, I know that would not be true for everyone. The story ends with the servant being cast into the outer darkness, the parable says. 
In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Brings us back to the sermon summary. When we talk about our service to the Lord, remember we said that serving is not something we do to ensure our salvation, but it is the result of our salvation. So I I go back and I look at the end of that parable, and I see how the story ends, that that third servant was cast into this outer darkness and that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when I look at that, I say, how true that is. Salvation brings brings about service in us. And if we are truly saved, then we will truly serve. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word today.